Hello and welcome to the GLT podcast series with the Greenshaw Learning Trust and Friends Book Club, where we talk all things teaching and learning with leading educationalists across the world. My name is Rhiannon Rainbow. And my name is Dave Tushingham. This is a place to enjoy listening to organic conversations between teachers and authors, a journey in bringing the latest evidence-based literature into the classroom. Good afternoon and welcome to our um, 73rd Greenshaw Learning Trust and Friends Book Club session. Dave and I are absolutely thrilled to be joined by Ginny Bootman today. So she's an educator with over 25 years in education, in the classroom, as a SENCO, as a head teacher, absolutely passionate about all things special educational needs and has um, not only published this book, but it's been published many times um, in the TES and has done so many other brilliant things, as well as agreeing to joining us this afternoon um, for, for a session on, on her book and seeing where that conversation goes. So a huge thank you to you, Ginny. We really appreciate your time this afternoon. And um, without further ado, I'm gonna hand over to you, Dave, to explain how um, this book fits in with our our, our wider thread and our previous sessions and then on to the rich discussions that we're going to have. I can't wait for this one. Amazing. Thank you so much. So thank you, Ginny, for, for joining us. We're so excited to have you with us tonight. Um, the, the book itself, um, I think, is just such an, an enjoyable read. It's such an easy book to read. The way the chapters are laid out um, or, or the, um, the, the hundreds of almost like short paragraphs, aren't they, that, that help um, someone to really reflect and think about uh, what it's like to, to be a SENCO, moving beyond that as well, I think, in terms of what it's like to help our, our students that we teach um, in the best possible way. Um, I think it's um, an incredibly complex role and it's an incredibly um, challenging and diverse role. Um, and and you, you really sort of sum it up in a way that makes it feel accessible and makes it feel like, no, I could do this and, and I, I get this and I, and it motivates to, to want to be sort of involved in, in more of um, the, the aspects of the role. Um, being a maths teacher um, is something where, where I'm looking to see, well, what can I do more in this area in order to support every single child that I teach? And um, there's over 100 of these um, chapters or, or short paragraphs, which um, so I think they all offer a starting point for a, sort of quite a lengthy discussion. I imagined when I was reading it that this could be over 100 book clubs here. You have 113 book club sessions on every single one of these. Um, and uh, and they're so sort of thought-provoking as well. Um, the questions that come out when I read them each time is uh, it makes me think about how I perceive things um, in the classroom, um, how I might act um, myself, how I act at the moment, and reflect on on what might change after reading, um, why it's important as well, why each particular chapter is important, um, and how and how that chapter impacts other people um, in my setting too. So I have those reflections that I read through um, each one of these, but. Um, what I what I noticed was there's there's almost like groups of uh, of chapters which I, I feel like I could direct people to. So uh, for example, I've um, I've listed a few here. Um, there, there were chats on getting to know staff, managing time, setting time scales, parent emails, senko surgeries. These feel like the sort of the operational um, side where if somebody's talking to me and maybe saying I need a little bit of help on how I really structure um, maybe my routines, there are some really good chapters you can dip in and out of there. Um, some of the small details, things like the chats on dress to impress, the, the chapter on the pound shop, um, the chapter on the, the power of the second monitor, they, they, they sort of sweat the small stuff, making sure that you've got every little detail um, in, uh, in that right as well. And, and that can be for people who are maybe further along the, the line in their development who want to really you know, get everything right. And, and what, what are the small wins that I could maybe take away? They're, they're there in that book too. And, 
Um, and, and there was just a real warmth in the book as well. So chapters on checking in, not checking up, um, teaching kindness and putting fun in fundraising. Um, those sort of chapters really made me think about the warmth through um, the narrative that you've given. And I think that really comes through. Um, I hope I've sort of got the idea of the book um, as you intend, because, because it is such a, a powerful book to read. Uh, and the bit that I wanted to, to sort of start on uh, with yourself and, and, and Rhi also was, um, was getting to know the, the students better, because that's something that feels for me um, when I think about well, what can I really get out of this session, I've been quite selfish, um, it's about how I really get to understand the students in front of me, put myself in their shoes, understanding them so that I can serve them better. Uh, and that's somewhere where I felt, well, you know, if I was to really truly reflect on my teaching, um, I think that's where that's where I could be thinking um, as, a, as a possible action step. So we, we chose those chapters to share, first of all. Um, but of course, there's so much we could discuss in here and we, we will probably digress, I'm sure, onto lots of different ideas. But um, just to say thank you for writing it. Um, it's been wonderful to read and to get get those ideas from and just really looking forward to talking with you about it more. So I didn't know if there's anything that you'd like to, to share in terms of maybe where the books come from or anything that's been shared there that you wanted to pick up on or build on. Um, but basically it's just um, over to you and, and thank you so much. Can't wait to, to learn so much more in this session. Thank you, Ginny. Well, thank you. Well, I've got my cup of tea because if you read the book, tea is always very important to me. You know, if I'm having meetings, there's always a cup of tea involved. and. Um, you're absolutely right about the um, the top tips being in kind of sections. So there is a section about working with your staff. There is a section about using technology to save time. I am, by my nature, um, technophobic. And so that's really important. I only use technology to save time and make my life easier. You know, I'm not in it to look a whiz kid. I'm in it to save time. The second monitor saves me time. Um, all of the things that I have in the book about technology save me time because um, I am the Senko of four primary schools. When I first started the, 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 the role of being Senko of four schools, I literally had a Tesco shopping trolley that I used to drag around with me to all the schools. And so I gave myself a challenge to become paperless for, for my own sanity, really. And so that flowed into the book. Parental engagement is so close to my heart. Um, you know, we're on Tuesday and the number of meetings I've already had with parents this week is phenomenal. And it's all about building up relationships with parents. And I talk about flattening the hierarchy. We're here together. We're here together. And they are the experts about their children and they are phenomenal and they are passionate about their children and they are lions and they are lionesses and together we really can form a really strong alliance to support children so I feel very very strongly about parental engagement and I think and the staff you know, we're all working in schools. We're all so, so busy. I think it's so important when I'm talking to staff, we, it is an interaction, it's a communication. I suggest things and then I expect them to say, Jenny, that won't work in my classroom. That, you know, that is not gonna work. And I go, okay, absolutely. You're in there every day. 
I'm not in there every day. You know, let's have a think about what we can do together to support the children. And I think that's really important. I've worked with Senkos who have been quite demanding of me. And we put our hands up and go, you are having a laugh. I, I, I can't do what you are suggesting. So I work very closely with the staff. I go into classrooms. I ask them their opinion. And we get that in, it's once again this, you know, I am not, I am not an expert. I'm somebody who learns a lot and can say, shall we try this? Shall we try that? So, and the book came about because um, I went on a course I went on a course, it sounds dramatic, but I went on a course that did change my life. I think I talk about it in the book. My 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 life and the book just merge. You know, when I'm talking, it the book is an overlap of, of what I talk about. I went on a course about a child. And I was really busy and I got time to go on the course and the parking was atrocious and I had to leave loads of work and I got there and my shoulders were up and I had to take my own lunch and it was all that. And then I got in there and they started talking to me about this amazing approach called the PACE approach, which I really feel everyone should find out about the PACE approach. And it's, it's a brainchild of uh, Dan Hughes and Kim Golding. And I just went, oh, my goodness, everyone needs to know about this approach um, because it's a way that I am with all children, with all staff, with all parents, with my family. And that was really what energised me. And the PACE approach just looks at talking to children talking to individuals and the P stands for playful, the A stands for accepting, the C stands for curious and the E stands for um, being empathetic. And I had that and then I decided I wanted to share that and I did a talk about it in 2019. And then from there, I linked up with um, a gentleman called Roy Layton, who is a, uh, an associate of independent thinking. And then I did a blog during uh, lockdown for independent thinking. And then Ian Gilbert, who owns independent thinking, who published a book, approached me and said, Ginny, have you got a book in you? And I was like, yeah, like that. Not really thinking that would be two and a half years of my life. And then he just told me to write down my thoughts and we call them sneezes. I just kept writing them down, writing them down, writing them down. And then, Dave, we put them into an order. We put them into, a, into, into an order. And a series of really, really fortunate events has meant that I'm in the fortunate position that, 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 that I now become an author of a book. It's absolutely brilliant, and and it really has that diary feel to it when you when you read it, and it made me think about um, yes, um, when we're teaching the class, we we model um, what we're doing, um, but there's uh, where where the students really sort of get to learn and become more experts when they're doing is uh, is once they've seen the model and they've seen what they're learning is when they're doing 
and reading your book, it felt like I was almost um, getting to, to be the same code because you could feel the sort of day to day, the warmth of the personability that goes, that flows through the book. And, and I think that's what made it a particularly enjoyable read, but also like a really, really productive read for me in terms of you know, increasing my understanding of what the role sort of really is. Um, so, so I really like that. Uh, the bit that um, sort of struck out there was those conversations with parents because I imagine um, being at school and tomorrow I've got that conversation and I need to talk about it. Sort of, um, they used to see it as a bit of a power struggle um, at times with those parent conversations and it's about um, sort of that, as you said, leveling that hierarchy. Um, but it could be quite nerve-wracking to do that. Have you got any advice sort of in terms of how how to start that conversation? Because I know you say about it's better to say I don't know than to, to say nothing. It's better to have that conversation than not. But in terms of sort of feeling that nervousness and, and saying the right things and, and helping that conversation to go positively if at all possible, is there anything that you could sort of you know advise or that, that's worked well for you? I think honesty is really important. And when I first started teaching, I had a parent who came to me about their child and about difficulties they were having. And if I'm honest, I ignored it and I thought it would go away. And actually it didn't. It really came back. It snowballed. And I had an amazing head teacher who basically dug me out of a hole that I'd got myself into. I just thought, oh, if it, I didn't know what to do to support the child. And instead of asking a colleague to help me, or instead of saying, I will find out, I kind of hid. So I think one thing I would say is, if you, if you don't know something, then say, I will find out. I also think set a date for a meeting, because then you have to have the meeting. Uh, I had a meeting the other day and somebody said, oh, we'll have a meeting in a few weeks. And I was like, we will put the date in the diary. And then it keeps us all focused and it, it keeps it in the forefront of our mind. I think it's really difficult to admit when you don't know something. So what I would say is dip your toe into it and just have a go maybe with a parent who you have got a, quite a good relationship with to begin with and then you will get braver and you will get more confident and uh, an example I've got is a parent came to see me and um and I had the head teacher in with me that's another thing as well have somebody else in with you if if you feel that you want and you need somebody in with you and I do that now you know it was a parent I didn't know very well and the parent came in and they said that their child had an issue that I'd never heard of. And I was just really honest. And I said, actually, I have never come across that before, <coughs> but I'm going to read up about it. And I did. And then <coughs> we set up a meeting thrown a, a few weeks later and I bought a book and I'd read up about it. And I had, because I needed to know, I needed to find the time, I needed to prioritise to find out about it. And I said, I've read this book, I found out about it. And the parents literally went, oh, their shoulders went down and they said, can we read that book as well? And I was like, well, yeah, I bought, I bought two books, one from a child's point of view and one from a, a, a teacher's point of view, not a Senko teacher's point of view. And you could see their whole demeanour change. They were like... She's taken time to find out about our child. And that 
paved the way. I talk about following the empathy road all the time, but that paved the way for for us to connect. So I think it's about being honest, and I think it's also about when you don't know something, owning it. But if you say you're going to find out about something, find out about it. I think that sounds like such great advice. It, it rings true with the, the session we have with Andrew Brown, who talked very much about the, the sort of parent conversations and I was rehearsing those conversations before. So when you said sort of dipping your toe in and, and started that rehearsal almost with a with member of staff and, and just to practice um, so that you're ready. And also um, Andrew talks about the idea of sort of asking how they are first and giving them the, the sort of first words, so to speak. So it's not that hierarchical conversation. So it all really really chimes and really sort of matches um, some of the conversations we've had in the past. And um, it feels like just um, trying to make more connections here, that when we when we look at the chapter or the, the section in um, when we're talking about the students and putting ourselves in their shoes, um, we talk about the PACE approach, um, playfulness, acceptance, curiosity, and empathy. Um, and, uh, and as I'm reading through that again, um, it feels like that's what's happening with the, the parent almost, um, is that you've got this sort of curiosity and this empathy um, that you're you're really actively listening, showing that care. You're um, sort of have that acceptance, but you, you've always got that sort of playfulness in that conversation too, where you just you keep it in a in a tone where where it's sort of you know it's, it's warm and it's positive and it's it's fun to the best you can to to explore and to work together on this. And it sounds like the parents really enjoyed the idea that that you you've gone out and that you've taken that time to to have that empathy, but to have that curiosity. Um, and, it, and it makes it a much more enjoyable experience then with that, that humility going into that conversation uh, with an open mind and not, not necessarily happen to feel like you know the answers. And, and straight away that settles me because you go into that conversation, I think, expecting that you have to know all the answers and if you, you, you get it right or you get it wrong and, and knowing that, that you can't really sort of get it wrong in that respect, you can only learn and grow and, and you're, you're working with the parents together as a team um, makes it a lot easier to have, I think. Yeah, and I, this idea of the meeting is so important. And I do, when I have a meeting, often say, do you want a cup of tea? Do you want a cup of tea? And they sometimes go, oh, it's all right. And I say, I'm having one. And the actual room, the geography of the room is so important. I never sit on the whizzy chair because the whizzy chair is physically higher. I, I think about where we are going to sit in the room if there are a few of us so that it doesn't appear to be them and us. They are little things, but they make the big difference. And parents come in at exactly what you said. A parent comes in and I let them own the conversation to begin with. If we try to own the conversation, they are going to feel very stifled. So, and, and I believe that parents come in often very emotional or very logical that they are the two things that I often see. The emotional one is the one that I've always felt more comfortable with and the one that I can kind of lift up with easier. The logical one I've always found very difficult. And that is when you have a parent who comes in with the folder, you know, and their folder when they come in can be quite, oh my goodness, what have they got in the folder? What have they got in the folder? I now perceive the folder to be their armor. And, and now I have, I have parents come in and they have the folder and I say, right, what's in the folder today? And they have done half my work for me. 
they come in and the notes that they've written are copious. And I just say, let's have a look. Their shoulders go down. They're like, you know, actually what I'm bringing is being acknowledged. And I use their paperwork so much, but I used to find it really difficult because I was like, is that evidence against me? You know, and in the same way, if I'm going to write notes, I say, is it okay if I write notes? Because I spoke to a parent once and they said, when we go into a meeting, we can feel as if the other person is like um, a police officer writing notes about us. And I'd never thought of it like that. Actually, if we're writing notes, what do they think that we're writing? And, and, and there is this perception, we were talking about perception. Actually, how are those parents feeling about us? And, and it is putting ourselves in their shoes. So the meeting is crucial. The geography meeting, the when we're going to have the meeting, how we're going to have the meeting. Some parents like virtual meetings. Some parents don't like virtual meetings. Some like the camera on, some like the camera off. Some like a phone call. As long as it's at a mutually convenient time, you know, we're not saying we will have a, when do you want a meeting? Seven o'clock on Saturday night by a phone call. No, that isn't what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is we find a mutually convenient time and we gauge the parents and what do we need to do to make them feel the most comfortable? And that also includes, are they going to bring a friend with them? Absolutely. Are they going to bring grandma with them? Are they bringing granddad? Are they bringing an auntie? That used to scare me. It was like, oh my goodness, there are more of them than me. Now, it's about people seeing through different lenses and we have a full discussion because people are seeing things in different ways and then we have a dialogue so all of these things are about us just oh it sounds a bit dramatic but opening up our minds a little bit and going okay if this will help the child let's allow this to happen it sounds very much sorry i was going to let you come in in a sec because i have absolutely dominated i'm so sorry but so good um it sounds um very much about changing the perceptions is um is key there and um so, so in my mind it's almost like i've got my takeaway or one takeaway already um to go into that meeting and, and when i have that sort of built up um almost armor um that, that comes up when you get that emotional response when you feel like there could be a threat um there um to, to sort of look at well, what is the sort of practical things that are happening here and, and how can I look at that in a more positive way? Um, if the conversation comes in and, and a parent comes in with that folder to turn it from um, this looks like a threat to this looks like a real positive. Um, it feels like something, um, it's almost like a mindfulness. It feels like something that's, that's really important in terms of once you've changed the lens that you're looking at it through, then, then that conversation goes in a very different direction. And, and that's a, I think that's a really powerful piece of advice. And what I keep getting from this as well is this, the attention to small detail um, and how it shows that you care. Um, so, so I've got it open now on the, the chapter of uh, the power of tea to make positivity. I, I love that. And, and where, where to have the meeting is the next chapter, but they're all very small details in the scheme. And in, in a busy day, it's very easy to, to go, oh, we'll just meet there. We'll meet in that closest room. But 
to be thinking about where the tea is positioned in the room, what seat you're sitting on, what room you're using, um, how you're going to start the conversation. Those small details um, are really important to to it going successfully, but also showing that you care, I think, as well, is something that I'm getting from this. Yeah, and I think um, I, 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 I've made lots of links here, as you said, um, with the um, Andrew Brown session, Dave, and it's, it's that reminding ourselves that, like you said, Ginny, when you went to that course, you were busy, you had to make your own lunch, you had to do all of these things. But when you got there, you realised the power of it. We're busy. We've got so many things going on. We've got lots of things on our to-do list to do. That parent doesn't care about all of that other stuff. That that parent is coming in um, to talk about their, their child. You know, they're, talk, they're coming in to talk about something that we don't know their experience up until now. We don't know what kind of a day they've had. We don't know anything else. So we need to give that space. We need to allow it to breathe and not try to rush it. And actually giving it that time beforehand, staging it, allowing that, that space at the beginning of the meeting is so much more powerful in the longer term. And I was I was thinking about those initial conversations and how you have them. And and it can be really worrying because we expect ourselves to know all the answers. And if we don't know all the answers, then we need we need we need some ways of defending almost our own folder that we take along to the meeting. And it, it reminded me of I remember the first time I taught a particular thing to an A-level class and I went with my armor. I went with my fully written out method everything was there step by step I knew exactly what I was going to do and a student kept trying to bug me kept putting his hand up and I was like let me finish this proof I did the proof and at the end I'd made an error at the beginning and I'd done the wrong thing and they were just trying to tell me I'd done the wrong thing but I wouldn't listen because I'd pre-planned I was feeling insecure because I was doing it for the first time which meant I wasn't opening it up Whereas actually, if I would have let them say what they needed to say and just taken a moment, it would have made everything flow much better and it would have been a much more positive experience for the students. And I think for me, I'm thinking that's another thing to take in then with my conversations with parents and it, that it's OK that I don't know everything now because I'll learn it just like hopefully I have done and I am doing with my teaching with other aspects of my role so that's what what I've taken from the conversation so far and it's it's just such a relief to know that that's okay and I, I, and I, I know that might sound a silly thing to say but like with how you've broken your book down into into those smaller chunks it means that sometimes I might not know the wording of something but I can go through your book and go, ah, oh, that's what it is. And, and I can look at that section and it gives me a way of articulating it or a vocabulary to use and a way to dip in and, and look at something as, as, as a smaller, more manageable thing to do rather than sort of the entire thing. So, yeah, that, 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 those are some of the things that I've, I've reflected on. And what I really like is <clears throat> you're bringing it back to actually consciously considering things in a different way 
So I was speaking to a colleague once and they said, oh, Ginny, you just know what to say to parents. And I said, no, 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 no. Be under no illusion. Everything is monitored and filtered before I say it. And she said, no, no, that you can't be. And I said, I am. And she said, but, but, but you don't appear to be. And I said, well, no, because I'm thinking it as I'm about to say it. And I think what you've picked up on really, I think it's we fear, we fear being found out. We actually, if we tunnel what we're doing, we are in control. And actually, being in control means that things will go as we want them to go. And I think to actually just consciously kind of dip your toe in the water for going actually I don't know you will find it's not that scary and when we're talking about these little things it's about do you know what just just try just to a little thing just try giving up on a little thing and impact and another thing that I think is really important with parents is and once again it's a little thing before I go into meetings with parents, I go and try to see the child. I'm across four schools, but if I'm having a meeting with a parent, I go in to see the child. And then when I go into the meeting, I can then talk about their child because I've, I have seen their child. And I can say, just seen your, I've just seen your son pogoing last time. He couldn't pogo at all, but actually he's out there. And I've just seen him do five pogo, I mean, you know, and my enthusiasm for that child and my caring and the fact that I know that child makes such a difference to the parents. And once again, it's these shoulders going down and them going, she knows my, she knows my child. Another thing I must say is I had a parent who came to, uh, their child came to our school, mid-school career, and they made an appointment with me and they came in and they literally, I say it's like a balloon, the blow, the balloon is blown up, and they come in and da 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 They just kept talking, kept talking, kept talking until they'd run out of breath and like the balloon had literally gone. And I just listened and I leant forward. That's another thing, body language is huge. I used to, I realized I crossed my arms. Now I consciously don't. Got to the end of the parent telling me everything. I hadn't said anything. And she leaned into me and she said, do you know what? I like you because you listen. And I was like, oh, that really, that nearly upsets me because she obviously for whatever reason had not had the chance to speak, to offload, and that act for her was what she needed. And then, and actually what I then did was secondary because she'd been heard. And another thing that I think is really, really interesting is I had a parent came to me, very emotional, child mid-school career, and it was many years ago, and I'd never done um, uh, a request 
for uh, for assessment for an educational healthcare plan. She said, I think my child needs one. And I was like, I've never done one before. I've done many now, I'll just tell you now, but I'd never done one before. And I said, I've never done one before. I said, but we will learn together and we will have a meeting in a certain amount of time and we'll all have our jobs to do. And then the boy got the EHCP, he went on to special school and I've seen her since. And what she said was Mrs. Boone, that first meeting, when we came out, I said to my husband, I like her, she doesn't fob us off. And and I think that that is what changed me. Actually, I didn't know. And the parent really appreciated the fact that I didn't know and I'd find out. And she said, in the previous school, now look, what did she say? They promised so much and delivered so little. I mean, that's just like it, it all all just makes so much sense, doesn't it? When you when you talk about it, it just it feels so obvious. Um it's but it but it's here in it, I think, that that, that you you need to be able to reflect and put it into your your own scenario and think, well, that's that's the tweak I need to make, that's the change I need to make in how I'm going to approach that conversation. And it's and, and as you talk in there, it's not it's not easy, um, because you talk a lot about um I think I got from that that you would need to practice. You talked about um, one of the, one of your staff saying, "Oh, you just know what to say," and it's like, "No, I don't know what to say." It's all very well planned. It made me think about um, sort of teaching math and teaching lessons and and the, the parallel to that. But if you're planning really carefully and you're practicing that delivery and you're thinking about the detail through the modelling that you're you're doing, um, it becomes more automatic to you. You become more expert at it, and then it's easy to adapt to the situation that you find yourself in when a student might have a misconception. It feels exactly the same with these parent conversations that you need to be really well prepared. You need to practice um, and you, you need to, to be thinking about the small detail. Um, and then when that situation arises, you're able to adapt. And it, and it looks really impressive then because you've done the preparation that's required. And it's not preparation necessarily for that particular conversation. It's about preparing how the room looks, it's preparing where the, where the coffee sits. And then that, that again is um, the small detail showing that you care is so important. Um, then I, one, one bit that I wanted to ask a little bit about as well in the book is you talk, um, we sort of thought about the, the students and the parents a little bit here, but uh, supporting teachers, you say, can be quite challenging as well. So treading that line, finding how you can support them without um, supporting too much or, you know, um, sort of being overbearing, but at the same time, making sure they've got the right support, enough support. How, how do you sort of navigate that? Is there any advice you can give in terms of working with teachers or, or vice versa for us? When I first start to work with teachers, I allow them to have their voice more than ever. And sometimes people, teachers can be wary of a Senko when they don't know them. It might be because they've had a Senko who is overbearing or, oh, what's she going to say different to anybody else, you know? And so it's the incidental conversations with staff and actually getting to know the staff. So I spend a lot of time chatting about other things because actually it's not all about school and send. This week we've been talking about mold remover in showers and I am an expert on telling people which mold removers to use in their showers. 
but they are these incidental conversations. So we are interacting as, as humans, as people, once again, building up those relationships and also me suggesting things. But I think it's a bit like we were talking about this. When you go to the drive-thru at McDonald's and you know you all have to filter in, you know, if there are two lanes, it's about, it's about okay, every other car are let in. And in the same way, I expect teachers to say, that won't work in my classroom, like I said previously. And that breaks down barriers because people go, Ginny's going to suggest something, but she will listen to us. So it's all about little steps towards people trusting me. doesn't matter who I'm talking to. People do need to trust me. And then they will come to me and they will ask me for advice. And yesterday I've had a really, really heavy day, a really, you know, it's just one of them days. And a member of staff came up to me and I did hug them. I asked them, I always say, you know, do you want a hug? And they go, yeah. They said, Ginny, you know that thing you told us to try with so-and-so? Look, he's writing. Look what he's doing now. And I was like, oh, my goodness. When people celebrate what they're doing in the classroom because of something that I've suggested, then that becomes even more of a connection. So... I didn't know a teacher very well. I went in and I saw that the student was perpendicular to the board. They weren't straight on. And I thought, like, oh, how am I gonna, how am I gonna manage this? And I didn't know them very well. So I said, oh, I'm just saying that this child is 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 at a right angle to the board. You might want to consider, which is what I say most of the time, you might want to consider them them sitting straight onto the board. And then I walked away. You know, I, I don't I don't stay there and wait for it to be. And then she said, where are you going? And I was like, oh, my goodness, what have I done wrong? And she said, come on, we need to move the tables because because we need this child to, to be able to see this board. I haven't thought of it like that. I think the fact that it's a suggestion, not a demand. I think that that's that's where it comes from. I suggest I don't demand, and I do it with everybody that I work with. I have amazing head teachers who I work with. And I suggest and people get to know me and they go, I hope they think she's OK. And then it becomes two way and people ask me my opinion because they get me. So I think it's very much <coughs> about getting to know each other as individuals, as well as Senko and teacher. Once again, it, it's that, isn't it? It's like we're, we're all in this. It, we're all in this together. And we are not going to stop dominating in a second because I am I'm all over this today. I'm so enjoying this. Um, but it feels like it's um, it's really transferable. So it's the, the transfers from primary phase to secondary phase, the ideas that we're saying. Um, we, we write up our, our notes um, on the sessions as well, just to help us to learn more about um, about it. It helps us to, to remember. It's like our retrieval practice, I guess. Uh, but, but when when I write uh, write up, I feel like I'm going to be doing a copy paste for uh, students, and then just changing the word to parents, then just changing the word to teachers. It just it's all the same, isn't it? It's just um, that the, the same messages um, go through, and it and it's the same when you're planning your lessons, as we said as well. So it just feels like there's such a 
a sort of consistent approach to take um, to to sort of what you do um, in all of these different scenarios. So um, so it's really starting to sort of you know link together and and really just make sense. So thank you so much for for the for the time that you're giving um, to us to be able to to understand it better. I didn't know if there's anything you wanted to sort of add or or any reflections you had. Um, got plenty more if not. <laughs> I'm writing so many notes. Okay, so I am uh, circling back to earlier on. Um, I work across 14 schools and they geographically are quite spread out. So I have a, a mobile office and it's amazing then how creative you can be because I didn't want to carry books anywhere, but I really like to write. So now I have an electronic um, sort of writing pad. And it is so lovely. And it means that I'm able to be more involved because I'm not typing on a laptop. Actually look at the people I'm talking to, build those relationships, give them my attention. And that's what I'm hearing from this is it's all about them feeling valued and them having your time. We're not checking our phones. We're not looking at other things. We are valuing the time that we have with them and building those relationships with whoever it is because we're not okay we we have a role we have a certain amount of information that we've gathered we've got things in our toolbox but let's have a conversation because we're all people we're all human beings and let's let's learn from one another and do this together there's no preconceived you know, there's no there's no prejudgments on anything. There's there's not a case really of getting something wrong. But what we can do is we can tweak and we can suggest and we can move forward in an informed way. And if we're not quite sure that we could do that together, and that that's really empowering and it's really important as well because I am also one for taking my phone around and having a look at it and and being busy if something comes up. But actually, it's another reminder of all of these little things make a big difference. And what I'm getting from this is it's about being present. And then when we're having a conversation with someone, we can't move forward until they've had a, an opportunity to share and say what they need to say, because their headspace is filled with that. And it, it needs to be said, they need to offload it. And once that's happened, there's space, there's space to be able to move forwards, but it doesn't happen by accident. And as you said previously, this is a conscious thing that we need to do. And, and I just keep coming to that. It's not about doing something quickly. It's not about ticking things off a box and, and churning through things. It's about developing those relationships, being present and being really conscious about all of those different aspects. I feel I might have already said some of that before, but I'm just, I'm finding this incredibly helpful because I haven't, I'm not a trained Senko. I haven't done that training. I am a, a classroom teacher who's, who's worried about doing things wrong and in the advice I give to others, but I'm finding this incredibly empowering, Ginny. Thank you so much. And reading your book as well means that I've got like that expert in my pocket. <laughs> in I'm, a, not an expert. I'm not no. an expert. I'm just, I've got I've got Ginny in my pocket who's got her advice and her sneezes that she shared with me in an ordered way and that's just put a really nice approachable feel to it as well 
And I think when we're talking, I think it's really fascinating because it's about giving people time, but it's also about managing our time. And I have, I, I do a lot of talks about this, about managing time as a Senko, because we are so busy and our time can get drained away. So alongside that, I make it very clear that when we're having a meeting, how long the meeting is going to last because actually everybody's busy. So, um, you know, I will say this meeting is going to last an hour or however long it is going to last because um, parents are working, they have childcare. So there is structure and I firmly believe in structure and triaging our time. So triaging our time is so important to make sure that our time is well spent. And alongside that, I am very fortunate that I have an office, but I have headphones I put on. I look like, well, I think I look like Princess Leia. When the headphones are on, that means I am focused and I am, I am not available. I am always available if it's an emergency, but it gives um, a message to people about when I am, in inverted commas, unavailable, because if we're too available, then actually we will, others will fill our time for us. So I think it really is important that we have the, yes, we are approachable, yes, we are available, but this is my diary. Yesterday, my diary was full of meetings and that was my day. And, you know, and I think it's about owning our time and saying, my day is full. I am not going to try and put more into the day because I've got basically back-to-back -back meetings and that is my day. And I think we need to value ourselves and, and look at our diaries and be honest about our to-do list and what we are able to do and also give timescales that aren't, oh, I must get that all week. Actually, people will have meetings in a week I used to try and if someone wanted a meeting oh, I better have it this week I better have it this week now I realize I don't need to have a meeting this week necessarily I'll triage my time some things have to be done this week but actually everyone's busy and they need to sort out their their um their time skills as well so I think it's really really important to to weigh that up as well Thank you. And I'd like to just develop a little bit more on that. And then, Dave, I'll hand over to you, because I think I think we could both easily do this one for the for the full hour is I found this empowering and really helpful in my role. What kinds of things can I do to give back? How can I help in with what I do to give back to my to my to my Senkos? So, I, yeah, I, I probably didn't work that very well. So I was just wondering that I've gotten so much out of this conversation with the work that I do. So I am um, taking a lot from Asenko. What can I do to give back to help support somebody who's doing their Senko role? Is there something small that I could sort of do uh, from tomorrow just to start building that as well? Because sometimes it can it can 
not feel like a one-way street, but you almost think that it might be. And actually, it's it's a two-way conversation. So to, to be able to give back and to be able to provide that, that two-wayness to it, are there some things that I could do as well? So I would think make a cup of tea is always a good way. Osenko always likes a drink given to them. The other day, I just, I just, I walked into a staff room and somebody said, I'm making you a cup of tea, sit down, we'll get you a cake. So it once again, it's a little thing, but it makes a big difference. <laughs> One thing I did with my head teachers, which was really interesting, was I talked them through the whole referral process from beginning to end for what I had to do to do referrals. And that was really enlightening. So I think I think to say to your Senko, do you know what? I don't want to shadow you, but you choose an aspect that you think I should know more about. So I think that's really empowering. And then my head teachers were like, oh my goodness, Ginny, we never realized. Another thing that I think is good because doing um, requests for statutory assessment are, are very time consuming by their nature. So another thing that you can do is say, let me sit down with you and let's do that together. And I think once again, it just um, educates other people about what senkers are doing and their workload. So then if I say I'm, do, I'm doing um, an RSA for an EHCP, people steer clear of me and say, just keep giving her the cups of tea. We know now exactly what is involved. Another thing is, I'm all for systems as well. So by um, supporting your Senko with the systems with regard to the, um, the SEN register and um, meetings that are had about, about pupils to have a system, then that means that the Senko is not being bombarded by teachers, you know, I don't know, but gone are the days of people walking past me and saying, I've got one for you, because that's that's what you I've got one for you, Ginny. So to have systems in place and for um, senior leaders to know what the system is to go, well, actually, this is a system I think is really, really helpful because it makes the Senkos go right. OK, to have systems that everybody knows and understands. I mean, that is, that is just, from my point of view, the best thing. It sounds amazing. It's the sort of, just the sort of advice that we need when we go in tomorrow and, uh, and really, really appreciate that. Something that um, I'm looking to try and do this week is, um, is a small gift, um, some for the senior leader team, and I've got a little section for the, the cleaning staff um, in, in our academy. And I try to do just different ones every now and again, just to, to try and try and help and, and sort of you know, just show show that gratitude um, because they're they're just small gestures, but um, hopefully they they sort of help to to show that we are grateful for the things that that people do, and and sometimes it doesn't always get as recognised as we'd like to in the busy days, and uh, and I think that that's really important. Like when you say just offer a cup of tea, just those little moments uh, that that can make a big difference. Um, something um, else that I just picked up on um, there is uh, was sort of similarly um, that with my students, I would talk to them. Uh, if they have a question and, and it's just not quite the right time to ask that question in terms of keeping the, the momentum of the lesson going, um, I, I will ask them um, to, to sort of hold their question. Um, but I, I make sure they know it's important. So, so I have this sort of uh, warm conversation with them um, about how questions that, that might not be immediately urgent, 
very important. It reminds me of the headphones as well. So again, translating from the classroom to um, to what you were describing um, as, as well. And and it's the same with staff. You might have noticed at the very beginning, I had a look um, at the very beginning of the session. Somebody knocked on the door to come and speak. Um, I know. I think I know what they've come for. It's a colleague who um, who's done an incredible job uh, for me in the last few weeks, and it's really important that conversation. At the moment, my priority is here, um, but but they know just from that little nod that that what they've got is important and I'll, I'll make sure that I find the time in the right time to, to sort of be, be grateful for what they're doing and to help move that um, particular project on. It's, um, it's something which is, is, is really important to do. So that same language sort of translates as well. Um, we don't need to find sort of immediacy for everything. We don't need to be too available. We do need to, to be available. We do need to listen actively and we do need to, um, to sort of learn um, from each other. Um, I've got like I know we were getting to the sort of very end here, and I know you'll be doing takeaways too. But I want to see if I can squeeze a question in, and it might be. You know, I don't want to put you on the spot. So it might be a no, and just say no if it's not. But um, <laughs> very sort of diary feel this book, and and I didn't know whether there was anything that that you've thought since writing it that oh, I wish I included that now, or, or something else that's come up, or something that you might slightly change in the book, or something you'd add to the book, or or whether it's just. Absolutely, as you'd like it, but but it's um it's one that, that sometimes people who've written books said, oh, I actually I've had a, like since I've done this, I'd like to add a bit more on that, or or maybe I change that, or or like, there might be a no. I don't know if there's anything in the book that that you'd, you'd want to add to since. The book is actually never ending in my mind because mm. every day I learn new things. So. <clears throat> I'm on Twitter at Senko Girl, and what I do is I do my hashtag being a Senko, top tip 113 plus. And when I think of them, I just put them on Twitter because um, there is no end to to my learning. And so it it just it it carries on. And I had to have a finish for the book so that the book could go to be published. But then I found a way for it to carry on and it, it to live on. Um, so, you know, that that's the way I've I've managed it by just keeping it going through through social media, because I just learn new things all the time from all the people around me. So, yeah, it's just an ongoing. Just an ongoing book, really, I guess. Fantastic, and uh, and that's it. Sounds like we could even have a second book then, Ginny. And <laughs> it's uh, the, never say never. And never say never. It's um, it's one of those things where um, yeah, it just I had that feel that there's just that diary feel that there's always something more to learn. So to know that I can go and now sort of um, follow that thread, and uh, and then I'm going to get something new um, as as you're learning and you're sharing. It's um, it's something I'll certainly be watching out for because it's been so so useful um today. Um, really, let me stop talking for a moment because I know we're getting towards the end. But no, this has been brilliant, Julie. Thank you so much. No, that's okay. I don't know. It's about it's about being mindful of time and triaging our time, and and you know we we set those limits, and so we're going to try and keep to that as well today. Um, so we are coming to the point of the takeaways for the session, and there are so many. So I'm going to try and whittle it down for me um to to a few key things and it's about making sure that you're really conscious about who you've got with you giving them that time not making them feel like you're too busy and you're hassled 
and being honest and if there's if you're if you're not sure about something not just saying okay that that one's new to me um I'm going to go away and find out I will find out and instead of leaving it open-ended so they don't know when to come back and ask or they don't know what's going on actually say um put a put a dating for the next meeting but allowing time for that to happen because that meeting doesn't happen have to happen tomorrow you know it's it needs to have time and then if if you give it enough time it feels like you really take on that opportunity to look at it in detail rather than a snap decision and doing something quickly because this that's not what this is about so it's about being sensitive and conscious aware and authentic and actually that that's all, all okay so that that was what i've got what i'm trying to whittle it down to um, thank you so much. Dave, uh, would you like to come in? I don't um, always share takeaways, but I had to for this one. Yeah, and, and, um, and yeah, for me, um, it is um, three very, very, very similar takeaways. Um, the, um, it definitely could add an hour on each of these sections. It definitely could another come on an hour because uh, we're running out of time. It's definitely so much more we can talk about. But, um, but for me, it's about careful planning and practice makes those conversations more automatic um, and it means we can adapt more in the situation so it's about doing that in our classrooms it's about doing that with our students my next takeaway is about doing that with our teachers that we work with the next takeaway is doing that with the parents it's the same takeaway through all of those um, different scenarios making sure that i'm well planned attention to detail i've practiced what i'm going to to talk through um or going to, to be sharing or going to be listening to listening really well to it um and then being able to to sort of be more automatic in, in some of those um decisions and adaptive conversations that i might be involved with so so that's my takeaway um uh, from today but it's been such an awesome hour it's been i, I learned so much I, I feel really invigorated to go and have those conversations go and Go and actually seek those conversations, uh, whereas maybe an hour ago I would have felt a little nervous of some of those conversations and some of the, the, the things that, that maybe could have the biggest impact. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much for, for your time. Uh, it's been amazing. Thank you so much. And I, th I, I love the idea of seeking out those conversations. I'm going to take um, that's my that's my take takeaway, seeking out the conversations and seek out those tricky conversations when you're in the right mindset for it. So thank you so much. It has been it has been absolutely super. Thank you so much for inviting me.